Hi, we're Ash and Steph Porter, a young married couple from the UK. We're on a journey exploring how to become the best leaders we can be. In order to share that with you, we've started this podcast so that you can join us on this journey. We hope you enjoy it. What's up, everybody? What was that? <laughs> that was my new intro. I mean, hopefully, well, we will have our new intro before this. Can we so say hello before we say stuff like that? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm more externally processing now, but hello, everyone. Hopefully you just enjoyed our new intro. Hopefully you did enjoy it. Um, made by Chris Ride. Check Big up, out. Chris Ride. Ride Productions, I think. Just a little editing fact check. It's actually Chris Ride Music. Go check him out on Instagram. He's really great. We rate him. Thanks, Chris. But welcome back to Learning to Lead with Steph and Ash. Um, if you haven't been here before, then we are a married couple from Watford in our third year of uni, um, trying to finish our We're degree. So close. I know, so close. It's so like close. Three weeks. A few thousand words left. I know. We can't wait. Um, but yeah, nearly finished our degree and, um, I work for our church in the worship department. Um, so that is us. And this is episode two where we are going to look, what are we going to look at, Ash? We're going to look at, as you probably see in the title, um, the foundations of leadership or the foundation (laughs) singular, sorry, not plural. That's the whole point in this, <laughs> this podcast. My bad, my bad. Which you will see as you listen. But um, yeah, we're going to talk about the foundation of leadership today. And just to say as well, thank you so much to those who have listened in to episode one, um, introductions and inspirations. We loved um, putting that out there and we've really appreciated the fact that so many of you have been tuning in to listen. And welcome back for the second one. And yeah, and that just quickly for those of you who maybe haven't listened to the third first podcast just to say the goal of this podcast is for us as a married couple and two people who are young leaders Mm. exploring leadership and we are not the finished products that's why the podcast is called learning to lead rather than we're going to teach you to lead Mm. is because we're all on this journey together and we Mm. feel like um, we do have insight to share but from the fact of a place of learning and a Mm. place of um, we're trying this out and getting it wrong or getting it right. And we want to share that um, with you guys. Amen. Amen. That is correct. Um, so, yeah, today we're looking, I'll say it for the 10th time, at the foundation of leadership. Um, and Ash, why don't you kick us off? Why do we even think it's important to have a foundation to our leadership? Yeah, so um, I reckon we need a foundation because really what foundation is, is it's the grounding of mm. um, of the building or for us, the grounding of who we are and who we are as leaders. And so um, the reason we need a foundation is we need to be rooted. We need to be grounded. And we also, we need um, like a value or a way of always coming back to the same place mm. and aligning ourselves um, in our leadership, always saying, are we nailing this thing? Because mm. everything else will come from this. Um, or we think it will. You may disagree. You're you're welcome to. But we think this is the foundation, and we need a foundation, yeah, because it's the way we align ourselves, the way we keep ourselves on track, and have a core value, which then um, disperses and becomes part of everything else. Mm. Yeah, I reckon. And I think as well that 
the what we're going to say is the foundation is actually something that we always come back to. And if our leadership ever gets to a point where we're not sure what the next step is or we're not quite sure if how to make the best decision, actually it all comes back to this one foundation of is this exactly what I'm doing? Mm. Um, and also we were chatting earlier and just felt like this foundation is really the spine of leadership. Yeah. And actually it's the, the thing that holds everything together. Um, and if it if it's um, not used well, if it's damaged, then actually everything else begins to break down around it. Um, so really important to keep that spine healthy, keep it moving, keep it being used. Mm. Um, yeah, so what do we think the foundation of leadership is? We think the foundation of leadership is... Drum roll. <laughs> Where's the drum roll? Sorry. Maybe we could, when we actually get good podcasts... Should we, like, edit a little drum roll in that? (laughs) It is servant-heartedness. Amen. Ah, flipping men. (laughs) Why is it servant-heartedness stuff? Well, sorry, I think servant-heartedness is the foundation of leadership because... It just shows us that leadership's main um, ambition is to put other people first and to serve other people. Mm. Um, and that is, we'll go on to talk about him later and we will talk about him in every single podcast. But Jesus shows us that leadership is to serve. The definition of leadership is to serve people. Mm. Um, and actually leadership in its essence is not selfishness, but selflessness and serving <laughs> and serving other people putting other people first um do leadership is for the sake of the others rather than for the sake of yourself um and actually one thing i really remember distinctly from a trip to tanzania that i went on when i was 17 was we went into this am- amazing museum and there was once like it was kind of um made of wood um, and it was like a column going up, like a tr- tree trunk going up. Um, and there was a carved into it was loads of people um, kind of pushing each other up. So the bottom layer were pushing up the people above them um, and so on. As you climbed up the, um, the, the kind of column, the tree trunk. And actually, it could have so easily been a picture of people trying to get past each other in order to climb their way up. But instead, the artist was depicting um, specifically this community in Tanzania as being uh, people who were um, trying to um, elevate others up above themselves. And I think that's just the perfect image of leadership is is pushing people up before you and raising people on a higher position than you. Um, And that is what it means to serve is to put people higher than yourself. Yeah, preach it. And I think as well, like, it's one of those things that uh, all the other sort of qualities we're going to talk about in future podcasts, all the things that we think make up a great leader, I think come from servant heartness. If you have this at the core of who you are Mm. and who you want to be and who every day you're waking up and deciding to be, Mm. I think 
things like humility are going to come from that. Things like ha- being someone who who raises up other leaders mm. is going to come from that. Being someone who even just is successful in their leadership, it's all going to come from being mm. servant heartedness because in servant heartedness, you're serving mm. the context you're in and the people you're in. Whether you're a businessman, you're serving your business the best you can, but mm. also your clients in the best way you can. Whether you're in a church, you know, you're serving your team and your congregation um, in the best way you can. And it's always about bringing, the be- bringing out the best in other people and serving mm. other people's interests. Mm. Um, and so I think, yeah, the other things will sprout from it. But this, as we've said, is so important, mm. so foundational, so Jesus-like. And I just love it. I just love it. Mm. I just think this is a good good time to talk about, um, yeah, who for us are the people that ultimately show that servant-heartedness? Um, yeah, for me... Uh, someone who I think uh, shows servant-heartedness. Now, if you're local to us in Watford, you may know this person. If you're not in Watford, you may not. Um, but this is a guy called Chris Smith. Um, he's a good friend of mine, or is a good friend of mine, and he was my line manager when I worked for six months at this amazing charity, which I think we talked about in the last episode, called One Life Leaders. Um, and they're all about... A we talked about it in our first attempt at the last... Oh, did we not talk not about actually. it in the actual <laughs> podcast? Yeah. That's real awkward. But anyway, One Life are this amazing charity, and they're all about equipping um, young leaders um, to just be the best leaders they can be in church and outside of church. Their thing is about all spheres of society. And anyway, Chris Smith, he's uh, like their head of operations. And so he is the guy who makes everything happen for them. And in my six months of working at One Life, it was such an eye-opening experience working under him um, and learning from him because he just has servant-heartedness written into his DNA. And Mm -hmm. so some of the ways um, that's exemplified is uh, he would go to all ends to make sure that everyone in that team um, was happy in and not in a people pleasing kind of way in a they can work to the best of their ability they have everything they need and he's doing his job the best he can to make their lives easier Mm. that was what he was always like for the guys who were teaching um, like he was making sure that all the practicalities were absolutely nailed to the best of his ability so they could be free to do the, what they wanted to do. Mm. But then equally, it wasn't just about those kind of, it was day-to-day office life, you know, checking up on you, saying, do you want a drink? Um, do you want a coffee? Do you want this, that, mm. or whatever? It was just, there was this servant-heartedness. Nothing was ever below him. Nothing was ever uh, was was ever um, too much of an ask. Mm. He was always willing and I think for me, he just modeled it so, so, so well. Mm, I love that. And I c- could definitely vouch for that. I think Chris is an incredible man. And Chris, if you're listening to this. Big up Chris Smith. Big up Chris Smith. We love you. Um, and mine, who's yours? Yeah, who's yeah, yours? Mine is um, another one local to Watford. Um, and she is someone in uh, my staff team at my church. She is called Catherine Maynard. Um, and she is a phenomenal human being. Um, and the reason why um, she came to me when, when we asked each other who who our example of a servant-hearted person was, was she is um, 
actually, coincidentally, she is also the operations manager. Oh, um, two operations know, managers. Um, Maybe it's one of those roles that you just can't do well. Unless you've got servant heartedness running through you. Well, she is, we constantly joke around in the office that she is the person that everyone goes to for help. Whether that is the simplest thing, like I can't find a a pair of scissors, to I have this issue that I need help with um, within my line of work. Um, And she she takes on everything that people throw at her with grace and with um, consistency. She um, she's always there, always willing to help. Um, and actually, we we joked about putting a sign on her wall next to her desk that was like, "Please don't come and ask me where the paper is. Ask someone else." Because it's just she's one of those people that um, you 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 know she's going to know the answer. Um, but she never wears that with pride or with um, putting herself above others. Above others, but instead she wears that with grace and she wears that with humility. And she, the way that she serves people, is um, just with yes, yeah, such kindness um, and compassion. Um, and even like. As, a, as an operations manager, she has to do some of the worst jobs around church. Um, we've had a lot of problems with our sewage system um, on our industrial estate for the past, I don't know, a few months. Um, Longer than that, like a year years, or two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have no concept of time now. I've been on lockdown for two months. Um, but she is, you know, she's been there. Um, at the front of that, leading, making sure that that is being sorted out. And that is sometimes not a very nice job. But she is right there um, with her hair tied up, um, ready to go. And I love that that way that she is. She leads She leads by example. And she'll, she's, she's willing to get down and do the dirty work. She's willing to, to do what other people would rather not do. Um, and she's not afraid of, of doing that as well. Um, she doesn't complain when she has to do those those jobs. So yeah, yeah, yeah I love that. About That's her. such a key thing, isn't it? Though I think we again when we were sort of chatting with each other, briefing about this, we sort of mentioned that a bit about someone who's servant-hearted. Um, generally, they don't don't complain as much. Like mm-hmm. often, we can feel like we're being servant-hearted, or mm-hmm. um. But but we're complaining about what we're doing, and so that it almost like it loses it, doesn't it? It's like mm. you just like ruin the cake by like stepping in it, mm. um, and so yeah, mm. that seems like such a key quality that I think both these people have is that not complaining, but just getting on with the job mm. that needs to be done. Yeah, and we would describe those people as the backbone of those staff teams, mm. and actually, what does that say if we're going to say that? Um, servant-heartedness is the spine of s- leadership, yeah. then actually, if we're describing those people who stand out to us as the spine of our mm. of those staff teams, I think that is just proof of what servant-heartedness brings to a team um, and how it keeps it together. Yeah, that's so quality. And then we kind of had like, a, again, like in our first, first podcast, the other great example <laughs> of this um, is obviously obviously Jesus. Mm. And so um, for me, I think 
what really stands out about Jesus and his servant-heartedness is firstly the way he teaches on it. There's that there's there's some really clear teachings about, you know, the the first will be last and the last will be first um and things like that. And then there's that moment with the disciples um when the when he washes their feet and he says, you know, this is what it looks like um to lead. Mm. This is what it looks like um to be a follower of Jesus. You serve. You've come as a servant. He calls himself a servant, you know. And um I think it just sets such an example. And like I said last week, I mentioned how what I admire, one of the things I admire most about Jesus is how unselfish he is with who he spends his time with and how he spends his time. And obviously, there's a discipline, um, especially in our modern fast-paced society, there's a discipline of not overcommitting and not um, working yourself into the ground. But actually, mm. there is part of servant-heartedness is a selflessness with your time and mm. um, saying, you know what, I'm going to put you before me mm. for this bit. Still, you need to rest up. Still, you need to look after yourself. But I think they do generally when you're servant hearted, you do that a little bit more mm. and you don't complain about it. Mm. And I think Jesus is um, such a great model for that. Mm. And I think also Jesus, um, a lot of the times that he is servant heartedness, it centers around food and around hospitality um, and he is servant-hearted in the way that he connects with people by giving them what they need rather than fulfilling his own needs. Um, and actually, the feeding of the 5,000, you know, it's what it says on the tin, he fed, but they reckon about 20,000 people, including women and children. Um, and in that, s- in that way, he was serving the people that he was ministering to. Um and I also think that, you know, with food, it comes back to communion as well in the Eucharist. And actually, um, in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus is serving by providing them with a meal. But w- in the Last Supper, Jesus bringing in his body and his blood is him providing the disciples with life. And he is serving serving them with the ultimate sacrifice. Um, and in the ultimate definition of servant-heartedness to lay down his life for his friends um and i just think we have to come back to that when we think of servant-heartedness is that jesus gave his life for us Um, and if we're called to be more like jesus then we're called to give our lives to other people and in that way we serve them beautiful so moving on, um, we are now going to look at just a few of the examples of being servant-hearted that we haven't looked at yet, that haven't come up with Chris, Catherine, or Jesus. Um, and yeah, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Yeah, so one thing that um, there's this great book called Servant-Hearted Leadership, which is, uh, is it called Servant-Hearted Leadership? Oh, no, Servant Leadership by a guy called Robert Greenleaf. And um, in there, he has some really good ideas and he's passionately researched this. And one of the things he talks about is a great leader and a great servant leader um, knows when to step back and to let someone else do the job. And so um, let's say you're a head of a like um, studio that produces like artwork and graphic designs and this kind of stuff and you get a request uh, like someone wants to you guys to make something 
and it's a specific art style. And this is such a random idea, but this is what came to my head. It's a really specific art style. And you, as the, the CEO, you know this guy. It's a really important deal. You're ahead of it. And you're like, you know what? I could easily just take this one because I'll take one for the team. I need to impress this businessman. It's really good business or whatever. But a good servant leader can then will look at his team and be like, oh, you know what? Actually, so-and-so is really good at this particular art style. And I'm going to let them do it. And in that way, the way you're being a servant leader in that position is, one, you're raising someone else up. You're being selfless, like we've already talked about. Two, you're serving um, the customer uh, the best you can because actually you're giving them the best person for the job to do it right and to serve them and bless them well. And then three, you're serving that person. You're serving your team member because you're giving them responsibility. You're letting them be in a position where they're going to flourish. And so in that way, a servant leader, they know when to take a step back. But they also, not just that, um, Greenleaf talks about the best leaders know when to follow. Even if you're the CEO of a business, um, you should know when's the moment to let someone else take the reins on something and you sit back and follow their guidance and their lead. And I think for me, that's like one of the biggest qualities or two of the biggest qualities, um, a servant leader. And what we should aim for, you know, it's not all about us. I think that's what we need to remember. Leadership, although obviously we want to become the best leaders ourselves, leadership isn't just about us. It's about other people. And I think that's so important. What about you? What stands out to you? I think... Definitely for a servant-hearted leader, there is just a, a perspective on hierarchy that goes against the current grain. Um, and for for businesses at, at the moment, like the hierarchy is you're at, if you're at the top, you um, you oversee everything. You do the less work. You do the less work. Least work. Sorry. Yeah, um, get your English right. I know. Um, and if you're at the bottom, you have the least authority but you do the most work um, and I think it can often look like that um, in modern day businesses um, but actually a, um, a, a good servant-hearted leader sees hierarchy in a completely different way and actually instead of I'm going to give you this job because it's below me it's I'm going to give you this job in order that you may be raised um, and actually seeing that in that sense of like, I think you need hierarchy. This this is a whole different conversation. But I think you need hierarchy for a healthy structure within a business, within a team, um, in order that everyone knows where they stand, what their job is. Um, you need people overseeing people, all that kind of stuff. Um, but actually, like a servant-hearted leader will see everyone as, as an equal peer in their group. Um, and there'll be no way of seeing someone as below you, as less than you. I think it's about value. And even though it may be that someone has less authority than you, it doesn't mean they have any less value. And that is huge for leadership. Um, yeah, yeah, that's so interesting because I was literally just thinking about um, again, it's actually from the same book that I just mentioned, but with authority and just power in general, there's this, uh, we just all kind of know that like power and authority has that ability to corrupt, right? Doesn't it? Yeah. But there's this phrase like, um, absolute 
power corrupts absolutely uh, that's a lyric from one of my favorite rappers akala <laughs> big up akala um but he and i think it's so true when we're in positions of power and authority it's so easy to be corrupted like it's so easy to let it go to our head mm. and for things to become too small for us but actually if we can keep our grounding and our foundation as a servant-hearted leader i don't think there's room for power to corrupt i don't think there's room for like the arrogance and that manipulation of authority and hierarchy to be in a place and that's what makes it so important that it's almost like even though there will be different positions within whatever sphere of society you work in and different levels of role and responsibility the, it doesn't mean that a job is below or above anyone and everyone's on an equal playing field in that sense. And that's what um, servant-hearted leadership does. From the bottom in the company, for example, being a servant-hearted leader to the top, if it's going all the way through a business or institution or whatever, it's going to be incredible. It's Because everyone is going to be looking out for each other's best interests. Everyone's going to be trying to raise each other up. Everyone is going to be functioning at the highest capacity they can because they want to serve each other. They aren't being corrupted or polluted by power and authority. And I think that's the goal, isn't it? Yeah, it's so good. I love that. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say on that? Should we move on? No, I reckon we should move on. Yeah, yeah. So moving on to our last section, looking at our experiences of servant-heartedness. Um, and for me, obviously, we did gap year together at our we church did. which is how we met what a great year um, worked out in one way at least <laughs> yes um because we are now married um but um that's probably where i mainly started to learn what servant-hearted leadership looked like um and for a lot of that year um we we were we were being taught um being trained up being nurtured into young leaders um but practically a lot of the stuff that we did was behind the scenes it was moving chairs it was moving furniture it was um getting stuff ready for events and packing it down that was kind of where a lot of our practical stuff was done and i think um if i'm honest i spent a lot of that year complaining um yeah we all complained a lot we didn't complained we complained a lot um and and I, I think it was a huge learning curve for all of us that actually leadership is servant-heartedness is what this whole podcast is about. And actually it was in those moments where we were in our warehouse at midnight putting chairs out for the next day's Sunday services after an event on the Saturday night. Actually, um, it was in those moments that we really learned what leadership was. Um, and no one knew we were there. No one knew that the chairs were being put out. Um, and the, for the people at the event, they just left having had a great event. Um, and we were kind of the busybodies around just um, just making everything run. And I think that whole year showed me what leadership was um, and, and the servant-heartedness that comes with it. Um, definitely. What about you? Yeah, I think for me... It was the same, I think. I came into that year through no one's fault except my own, quite arrogant, quite, um, yeah, unaware of this quality and this uh, 
this thing that should be the foundation of who we are. And so for me, it was a shock. And I think for all of us, it was a shock. But I think definitely by the end of the year, even though we hadn't really been explicitly taught it, I think I got it. I think I, when I looked around in the people who were in the church that inspired me, what was inspiring to me was, was the fact they served, was the fact that they were the people that were willing to do stuff other people weren't. They would, were willing yeah. to help out. They were willing to sacrifice their time, raise each other up, whatever it was. Um, I came away inspired by those people and thinking, gosh, I want to be like that. I need to stop complaining. I see what it is to lead and I think um it's easier said than done though isn't it like we can learn those things and I, I think we both learned that and I think we've both still been trying to model it in the sort of three years since and different roles at church and um, other th- jobs I've had outside of church and things like that that we have tried to serve and be servant hearted leaders but it's not always easy though yeah. um it has its hard moments. It definitely yeah. has its highs, you know, when something goes well and um, you see an ev- like just an event happen, for example, and you're like, gosh, I was part of this. They probably don't know. But these people here don't even know, but I was part of making this happen. And it and it's rewarding, but also it's um, helping you grow. Like I feel like since I've learned about servant heartedness, suddenly humility, I mean, I can't say I'm humble, like, um, I don't think anyone can. I think that's something you t- see in someone else. I think it's hard to see it in yourself. And if you do, I'm not sure that's humility. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like, I think it's something I've grown to value so much because as a result of seeing the servant-hearted leadership. Um, and that's one of the rewarding parts of it. But then, like we said, it is hard. And what are some of the stuff that you think is so hard about getting this right um and actually what can be discouraging about it because it is not the normal type of leadership it's not or it doesn't seem to be what society promotes yeah and so why is it hard why can it be discouraging but how can we overcome that as well i think we get confused that servant-heartedness means basically saying yes to everything so I think we convince ourselves that servant-heartedness means that you can't say no. Yeah, yeah. So actually, you get asked to serve um, at an event that week, or you get asked to do a ser- you know, a job, something, and actually, you end up with so many of them that you are burnt out, run down, you're tired, exhausted, um, and actually, what we n- we all need to learn. Um, is that in order for servant-heartedness to be the backbone of our leadership, we have to be giving out from full. And actually, we can't give out if we're drained. Um, And servant-heartedness doesn't mean running yourself into the ground because you won't be able to continue to run that race of leadership. So servant-heartedness has to be balanced with that, the courage to be able to know when to rest, when to persevere, when um, when it's time to put yourself aside for the sake of other people, but also serving yourself. And I think we often forget to serve ourselves. Um, and servant-heartedness can still include being being protective of yourself and actually um, deciding when to say no, deciding when to go for it, mm. or 
two very different components to servant leadership, but are both extremely important. And they're almost signs of someone who's really mature in this, isn't it? If you know when to say yes yeah. and when to say no. Yeah. It's I am the worst at saying yes all the time. You're getting better, I'm though. Yeah, definitely. I'm working better. it into you because yeah. I'm the opposite. I'm really, really good at saying no. <laughs> so <laughs> And worse at saying yes. It's const- our conversations as a married couple are constantly, oh, I think you should do that, me to Ash. And, oh, I don't think you should do that, Ash, to me. Yeah, that is true. Um, but, yeah, I think servant-heartedness, um, it isn't being controlled and it isn't, um, and it isn't not being able to say no. Servant-heartedness has to um, come out of our own ad- our own passion and love for Christ um, and to serve people, not because we feel like if we say yes to this event, this person's going to notice me or this person's going to like me more or this person's going to give me more responsibility. Our agenda with servant heartedness should be, I'm doing this in order to show God's love to people. Um, And with that agenda, I think we learn to balance the, the, um, yeah, those two components of saying yes and saying no. Yeah, that's so good. And it leads into what I was thinking as well, because I think for me, um, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, and everyone or most people listening might experience this as well, I think one of the hardest things about servant-heartedness is when it goes unnoticed. Like, it's such a key component of it. Like, it's part of being uh, a servant leader. But it's also one of the hardest parts is the reality is so often you're going to do stuff, you're going to work so hard and you're going to make things happen that people take for granted. And But that's part of it. But that is a really hard part of it. But I think as well what you touched on there is so good about almost like checking yourself and um, where you're at. Because I know for me, there's been times in the past where um, I've gone into something and in my head, I'm like, you know what? I've gone into this and I'm proper servant hearted. <laughs> like I'm serving these people really well. I'm doing the hard work. I'm doing the behind the scenes. But actually, although there is some good motive in there and actually I can't, you know, criticize myself like loads. But actually, I know that there have been times where part of my motivation has been is because, yeah, I'm serving, but it's because I want someone to notice And I think that's one of the biggest dangers about this is the fact that so often we go unnoticed and then suddenly these thoughts creep in of, oh, if only they'd notice and see how flipping servant-hearted I am. But then you lose some of what actually the core of that value is. And so it's like you're almost walking a tightrope between this like hurt, I would say, because it can be hurt, hurtful and painful when it go, you go unnoticed but then also not hurting yourself by seeking um the praise of other people and like and it's so easy and we all do it but we've got to find the balance between between yeah. being content in knowing we're being like jesus we're being yeah. good leaders we're being servant hearted people serving those around us yeah. and looking for the best in those around us but then also yeah not pushing that too far to be yeah. serving for the sake of praise and um, attention and things I like think that. I think the flip side of that is serving out of guilt and serving because, not because of what you just said about um, I'm serving for people to notice me. A lot of the time I serve because I'm worried that people will notice if I'm not there. 
Oh, that's interesting. So actually, a lot of my, um, a lot of when I've been burnt out, it's a lot of the time it's because I've done so much, because I felt that it would be, um, it would be really bad if I'm not there to serve. So yeah, okay. So it's the the, f- the almost the flip side of that and carrying and really. Um, unintentional burden of okay so if I'm not there then this person's going to notice that I'm not there this person's going to have a problem with the fact I'm not there I'm going to get judged for not being there Um, and so I say yes 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 because I never want to feel that guilt I never want to be in a position where I'm like oh I should have been there so I think all my yeses have been with that in mind and now I'm having to re relearn what it looks like to be servant-hearted again with that agenda of showing God's love to people not yeah like um not for the sake of others yeah that's so interesting isn't it because if you're anything like me you're sitting there listening to Steph and you're being like I do not understand that at all if you're anything like me then you listen to Ash and you're like I don't understand no but it's so interesting because your journey at the moment and the last few years through servant heartedness and learning it has been exactly that saying um i want to do it for the right reasons and it's been about impress not impressing others but that guilt and that um yeah that like trying to make it up to people and serve people but not feel guilty or whatever but whereas for me my journey is completely different actually my journey um as on the whole has actually been more about learning to be selfless rather than selfish and I think that's just where our personalities differ but it's so interesting that we're both striving for the same thing and yet our path and our journey is quite different in what's healthy for us and the way we have to improve and change I think that's just fascinating yeah but I just think if you're listening to this, like, I just want to challenge you to have a little reflection. Um, and actually, do you fit into Ash's category of needing to learn to put yourself out there more? Um, or do you fit into my category of needing to put yourself out there less? Um, and neither is better or worse. No. Um, but actually, have a think now, like, have a sit down, have a pray, like, Lord, where do I fit into that? Or if you're not Christian, just have a think where, you know, where do you fit into that? But think about as well, like, not just your journey, but in those two things, but what does it look like for me on a daily basis to serve? Because with all types of leadership, with all of it, it's about not just doing it in your job or not just doing it when people are around. It's about having a consistency throughout your life where um, you do it at home, you do it um, in your quiet place by yourself. You do it in you the public space. You do it when space. you do the washing up. You, yeah, just in everything, you are being a servant as much as you can. And so maybe it's a reflection as well as which journey are you on? Um, but like, where else can you learn to serve well? Because I think as well, for some of us, there are some places it's really easy to serve. And other places, it's much harder. And so that's also a very personal reflection um, which will be different for all of us and challenging, I think, for all of us as well. Mm. Great. That's it. See you next time. Servant leadership is super important. Learn about it. Practice it. Grow in it. 
grow with us. We're all on this journey. Um, thanks for listening. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs>